noticing that and coming alongside what's, always, what's already going on. And last week, Gordy talked specifically about uh, asking powerful questions. And I'll just, just have a thing here. So asking powerful questions. And uh, sometimes when you're having a conversation with someone where, you, where your faith comes up, you do need to communicate content. But the object is not just to just communicate content, but instead to be a humble listener and to admit that there is no way that we have all the answers about everything in the whole world and to come and ask questions. And the picture that he used was the concept of testing the walls of a house, that if we have a conclusion about something, if someone that we're speaking to has a conclusion about something, that often, if you get into a conversation, really about anything I'm discovering this week, but specifically about faith or what you believe, it's easy for us to just be stating conclusions to each other. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason, or whatever, big ones. There is no absolute truth, or whatever these things are. But the, the example that Gordy said is we kind of wind up just throwing rubes at each other, and it becomes this kind of my, well, my dad's bigger than your dad contest, and I'm just going to tell you my thing, and, you, and it gets antagonistic. And this is the whole point behind this series is we're trying to develop tools. We're trying to develop skills so that we're just better at this because it's just been done badly for so long by so many in so many places. <laughs> so, so, so we're just trying to work on that as a community. And the idea behind testing the walls is that if you have the roof of a house, it's held up by something. It's held up by premises, a major premise, a minor premise. But that ultimately, if we come in humility and start asking questions, where somebody makes a statement and instead of saying, well, I'm going to tell you the opposite of that in my big conclusion. I don't know why you would talk like Mr. T, but maybe you would. Um, you, instead saying, well, how did, how did you come to that conclusion? Or have you always thought that? Or what, what makes you think about that? Or where, what's your concern there? And often, it makes sense, usually, I think maybe always, definitively always, if the conclusion is wrong, there's a premise that's wrong there. And so as we start to be humble and we're asking questions, we can get, we can have more interesting and, well, we're going to talk about this, ta tasty conversations about um, the way that we're gentle and we're gracious. And, and uh, Gordy talked last week, there was a, a scripture from 2 Timothy that he quoted where it said, opponents are to be gently instructed. So there's no doubt that we are going to come across people that are not going to agree with everything that we believe. They're just not. And Paul has no problem saying they're opponents. They oppose what we believe. But again, it's gentleness. We're gently instructing. We're having these conversations. And that's where we're going today, is we're talking more about speaking the truth in love or fighting a battle nicely. And I'm good with that. I like being nice. This has been my challenge this week, is how do you fight a battle nicely? So this is a... We're going to take a look at this text here. And it says this. Actually, I'm going to drink more water, and somebody with a lovely, strong voice... I got this tip from listening to Alec, too, on a, on a CD. Could somebody else read this scripture for us, please, and I'll have a sip of water? Someone, go ahead. In the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So, whether we 
So this is a, a scripture that I have heard quoted quite a lot during the time that I've been following Jesus. And you'll notice there's some very strong words there. We live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. There's weapons, and we're fighting with the weapons, and we're demolishing with the demolishing, and we're taking captive. It's a very strong, we're very strong with the strong words. And if you are like me, who was raised by a very lovely British mother who said and still says to all of her grand, good manners are important. We are well-mannered. They, they were not restrained. My mom and dad are incredibly affectionate people. They are incredibly successful in both their careers, so they've learned how to professionally be confrontational, but both of them seriously, seriously dislike personal confrontation. And I learned at a very young age that personal confrontation or disagreeing with anyone was very uncomfortable. Now, we were safe to do that in our house among us as kids. We fought with each other in a pretty healthy way. Um, but my mom and dad, I don't remember seeing them argue or fight with each other. Um, uh, you know, not entirely reserved, and I remember witnessing any personal confrontation that came up to them. It was cause for great, ooh, oh boy, mom and dad are really uncomfortable. And because I'm a peacemaker by nature, I, I'm a second kid, I'm told that that sometimes happens when you're a second kid, um, that's, was, that's really awkward for me. And I get a little uncomfortable with the waging of the war and the demolishing and the captive stuff. I actually was even looking, maybe we can find another version that just doesn't sound so blasty. What does this say? New living test, do, yeah, new living. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Man! I'm just going to have to face what the, this word is saying. What is it saying? We're fighting a battle. We are fighting a battle. I can't deny it. And I can tell you from the week that we have just had in our house, there is no denying that we are fighting a battle. We had sick kids and a leaking shower. And, oh, opportunity for confrontational discussion that was plentiful in my life. <laughs> We are fighting a battle. There is no doubt. But for me, I, I was really wrestling this and, and listening to the language that even we were basing this series on a series that was done by a church called The Meeting House in Hamilton, Ontario. At, at Pastor Bruxy Cavey and we, Gordy's asked the teaching team to listen to these sermons. And, and he's just way comfier with that language than I was. And, and, and when Gordy sent us the um, charged us as teachers, he said, you know, if you are trying on some of this teaching and it just doesn't fit you, then you have to figure it out. And I just thought, I'm going to have to figure it out. And then I realized the key is actually in this verse. And this is what it says. We use God's mighty weapons, but they're not worldly weapons. They're not worldly weapons. My discomfort is with the way that the world fights battles. It is ugly. It is brutal. It is violent. It is not of the kingdom. 
That is my discomfort. And what I have been discovering through the tools of this, these series and also just through wrestling with this scripture is that if we're going to operate with not a worldly weapon but of the kingdom, what it's saying here is it's talking about uh, pride. We destroy every proud obstacle. There are some translations that say every lofty thing, every high idea that has set itself up. Well, if we're fighting with the opposite of the world, what is the opposite of pride? Humility. Two points, Jane. Humility. Hello, this is what we've been learning. Humble apologetics. In fact, if you go and look at this verse, this is verse 3 that this starts on, but what Paul says in verse 1, he starts this paragraph by saying, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when you are away, I beg you that when I come, I might not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. So he's saying, Look, I'm a meek guy, but if you don't get this right, I will come and open a can of Paul on you, whatever that means. Like, I don't want to have to be bold, but I will be bold if I need to. But what he's saying is, but we don't do that the way that the world does this. We operate in humility. We operate in gentleness. The other um, verse that is, oh, hang on, one other thought too. This second half here, we capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is a scripture that has been used a lot encouraging people to imply this to themselves if you've got thoughts that you need to take captive. But might be a good secondary application of this verse. But my understanding of how it is in this context is that it is talking about patterns of thought of the world. And that it's, and we have a lot of ideas of the world that are flying around all the time, especially with our culture of super fast media. I am a fan of Pinterest. That is my new favorite. If I have 10 minutes and then I look at the clock and I've been in there for an hour. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, it just is pretty things. It's pretty, there's some pretty things and sometimes people put up these little quotes, little inspirational quotes and I'll click through and I'll find all different kinds of things that I like and I look at this stuff. But sometimes people will put quotes up there that I think, oh yeah, that's great. And sometimes people put these quotes up there that hundreds of people are repinning to their pin boards, e whatever. And it is a sound bite of just falseness and garbage. And we have these traveling sound bites and ideas that are floating through our culture, through talk shows and media and all these kinds of things that I believe this could be this modern day application of this idea. There are ideas that we're, we're to take captive. I lo- oh, I'm so excited about getting into looking at root words. Of, I, did I just, I just jumped about it. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a, I am not ashamed of the fact that I'm nerdy about the word. So this other definition here that says we capture their rebellious thoughts. Do you know what the other word right next to capture is? Captivate. Can you imagine, instead of saying, I'm going into this conversation, I'm going to capture every thought. Again, Mr. T, I don't know why that's just coming out. But you're having the Mr. T voice in your head. Instead, what if you said, I would really love to work at being a more captivating conversationalist. That that is a skill that I have. That I have the ability to gently, wisely, 
only have a conversation with someone where I can ask questions with them about how they came to the conclusions that they had, and that I would be perceived as a captivating conversationalist, that, that what I have to say is so interesting that people would walk away and really think about that. I think that is appetizing to me. And the reason I'm using these taste words is that the next verse, oh wait, this is just a good aside. We're not fighting. We, this came to me in my email this week. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools, see, only fools insist on quarreling. There's the Mr. T voice. I pity the fool who is insisting on quarreling. <laughs> there it is. I had no idea that was there. Who knows? Anyone who loves a pure heart and gracious speech is the king's friend. So we're looking at developing gracious speech. Here's this beautiful verse, and it says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what that's saying is that somebody would have a conversation with you, an evangelistic conversation with you. And the reason I use that word is that evangelistic just means good news. In that conversation, you have shared something of who Jesus is in your life, what your walk, what your faith, what your experience is with them, and they come away from that conversation and they think, hmm, tasty. That was good. Wow, that was a really good, I had a great conversation with somebody today. They were so gracious. I love that. I mean, because we, I probably all know how bad conversations go. We get tense, they get tense, it's just awkward. And the opposite, it's like people could actually, it really left a bad taste in my mouth. We had a bad experience with that. So this is skill. This is why we're trying to build, we're, we're just studying this as a community to try and learn how to do it well. When I broke this down and, and looked at the original language in the Greek in there, it, that, that word wisdom, Sophia, beautiful Sophia, says div, one of the definitions says, devout and proper prudence in intercourse with people who are not disciples of Christ, skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth. Isn't that lovely combination of words? Skill and discretion. I am someone who in my conversations possesses skill and discretion. Discretion, like when I try and share information with someone and then they say, oh, there's the dip. <laughs> that you don't then follow them across the room like, wait, I have three more things that I need to tell you. Like, go, okay. This is not a moment. See that word for opportunity there? That word for opportunity is a word that says look for the right time, but it's not time like the passing of time. It's time, the word kairos, that means the right time, the perfect time, the perfect opportunity. So you're looking for the perfect opportunity, which is not, um, I'm really, I just have to go pick up my kids from daycare right now, and I'm on my way, and it, it's like, but I just have five more things to tell you because I've been practicing my skills. And I got to do like, discretion, skill and discretion, wisdom, having wisdom. Let your conversation always be full of grace. This was so good I had to write it down because I'm going to read it, but I want you to be able to read it too. Grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. Oh, see these, I like these words. They like, they're some lovely words. This is what our conversations are supposed to be. This is so good, I can't even stand it. Goodwill, 
loving kindness, favor, of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in the Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. That's what this verse is saying. God is not unkind. God would not be asking us to do something that was impossible. So by this verse, God is saying that as Christians, we have the ability to have a conversation with someone that would, by God's Holy Spirit and by God's grace, allow God to exert their holy influence upon them and turn them to Christ and keep them and increase their faith and kindle them to the exercise of Christian virtue. Hallelujah! Somebody wants to say hallelujah! Come on, my sisters! That is it! Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so good. So salt, this is so interesting. Salt, one of the reasons salt is mentioned is that salt is, I don't know, I did not know this, is a symbol of lasting concord because it protects food from purification. So in the solemn ratification of compacts, the Orientals were and are to this day accustomed to partake of salt together. When they make a, a con, it would be such a sign of, of concord which isn't just agreement because everybody got along. It was discussing and coming together and saying, yeah, yeah, it's good. Let's have some, let's have a little salt on that. Or it's defined as wisdom and grace, as we've already say, exhibited in speech. So this is a challenge because the issue is, is that we can oversalt our conversations. And, and, and this was my fear when I was given this topic, is that I felt like all I could see was my weakness in this. When I was assigned this topic, I thought, I tend to chicken out. I tend to be afraid. I'm so, so busy about being kind or gracious that I don't want to offend anybody that sometimes I just don't say what I'm really thinking or I won't necessarily speak the truth. Or it's a danger the other way too, where you undersalt and you're so worried about the truth that you just say it in a way that is so harsh or so out there or so blunt that there's no flavor to it and, and people can't take it in. It's it's not there. It's a balance. And this is where the phrase comes from, speaking the truth in love, is from, oh wait, I forgot. So you may know how to answer. I kind of talked about this already. You begin to speak, but an answer is always where somebody, somebody said something first. It's the definition of an answer. So once again, we're not just downloading content on someone. We're having a conversation where we've been asking questions and then they've answered and we're responding so we know how to answer. Yeah, that was another thought there. So speaking the truth in love comes from this verse here where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's talking about the gifts that God's given to the church in the people, the gifts that we have in the people in the church. He's saying that God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists to equip his people for works of service so that we, the body of Christ, can be built up until we reach unity in the faith, knowledge in the Son of God, and become mature attaining to the full measure of Christ. So again, we're talking about these mature concepts. We're not going to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what? Great. 
maturity, balance. We're looking at all this stuff. Here's my question that kept coming back to me all through this whole series. What if there's a really big part of you that is like a really big part of me that the whole time people are having conversations about, that we're talking about having an evangelistic conversation, there's a very large part of you, perhaps the only part that you can hear that's just saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. That's great. I mean, I did that almost through the whole, the sermon was titled, Why You Hate Evangelism. And Dawson was talking about when we went up to people on the street and just came up to them and asked them on the street if they wanted to talk about Jesus. And in my head, I am like, no way. There is no way I want to do that. And here is the irony. I'm a missionary. (laughs) That's what I do. And I was introduced to that style of evangelism when I did my missions training with Youth of the Mission. And it wasn't presented in this way. If I heard bits of teaching that sounded more like this series that we've been doing now, they called it friendship evangelism. I don't know if we weren't being friends with people when we were doing the other stuff, but we would do things like, okay, they would say, okay, we're going to go out now down into downtown Ensenada, Mexico, and you're going to go two by two, and you're just going to walk up to people and evangelize. And everything in me was like, no, I have been taught that you don't tell people that you don't agree with what they think. That is so impolite. It goes against everything in my being. It's awkward. Now, I liked it better when we did skits, because I'm a drama nerd. So if I could do a skit and then give a speech, I didn't have to tell anybody that I didn't like what they particularly thought. I could do a skit, and then I could do whatever. But I was terrified, so scared. Now, God met me in my fear. He met me in my obedience and willingness to follow what my leaders were asking. And as Alex so beautifully said before, God can use anything where people, their hearts are right, and they're putting that out there. But for me, it just scares the whatever out of me. I just, I, it still has, the thought of it, I just thought, Having a conversation with somebody where you tell them that you don't agree with them, period. Like walking up to somebody and saying, could I have a conversation with you where I'm going to actively not agree with you? I just, whoo! So I was telling my sister about this and saying last week, saying that I had asked for prayer at church, saying that this was scaring me, saying that I believed that God was going to be speaking to me about this this week. And my sister Elizabeth said to me, I think you should listen to these podcasts that I just listened to by Joyce Meyer. And it's all about confrontation. And I was like, okay. Because I realized that that's the issue. So I, so I was like, okay. So I, uh, Wade was working late. And so I stayed up folding laundry, listening to this Joyce Meyer podcast. She's a bit of a rambler. She admitted that she was on kind of a rambling kind of a thing. She was talking about whatever. And in the middle of this series of confrontation, she starts talking about love. She starts talking about how John knew, the Apostle John knew that he was loved. And that every time he writes about himself in the Gospel, he says, and the one that Jesus loved was there. And then Peter, who said the one that Jesus loved, and like, what if I, in this sermon, started referring to myself and Joanna, the one that Jesus loved... Like, I think those of you who know me would be like, aw, sweet. But those of you who didn't know me would be like, who is she? (laughs) But she said, start looking in the mirror and saying, God loves you. I tried it this morning. It wasn't bad. (laughs) 
And then I realized the title of the sermon that I had been assigned was Speaking the Truth in Love. And then I realized that all kinds of smart people have been saying stuff about love during this sermon, during this series. Like Alec, who quoted my husband, who said, if you want to be a better evangelist, just love God more. You love God and, and if you know that God loves you. This, again, is something that we've been uh, learning in our Bible study series. We are who God says we are. We are who God says we are. So who does God say we are? And, and for me, fear in confrontation, fear in having a conversation with anybody, is when I feel out of my depth, when I feel worried about who I am. When I'm in a safe place, I can have a conversation with Wade about what I don't agree with. I, I can have a conversation with people that I love because I feel safe, because I feel secure. Well, ultimately, that comes from who I am in Christ. Do I know that I'm loved? And better yet, do I know that God loves the person that I'm talking to? And what was so cool was during preparing this sermon, God started reminding me of times where I did do this. I did remember this. I wasn't all weakness. I wasn't all chickening out of stuff. That there were times where it had happened. You got to listen to Gordy's sermon a little while ago because Kathleen starts telling a story about something she did. She's so excited, Gordy can't get the microphone away from her at the end. And she's saying, oh, oh, one more thing. And then Gordy's saying, I'm preaching now, dear. I'm preaching now. And you know what she had to say? She said, love. It's love. It's love that opens the door to faith. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So I remember when I started having a relationship with Jesus that was really, I, I, I went to church as a kid, I spent some time away. When I was a teenager, I came back, my best friend and I both fell in love with Jesus in the same year. And we used to love to go out and go dancing and go to the bar. And I remember after we both just had really gotten deep into our relationship with Jesus, we were at the bar with this friend of ours that didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And we could not stop talking about God. Leanne and I were like, oh my gosh. And this other thing happened. And it was so natural. It was just flowing out of us because it was so real and so alive what God was doing in our lives. When I hear that verse that says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, I think about that. I think about that time where I just couldn't keep it quiet. I, I watch how fearless my kids are, how fearless they are. They don't have any of that teenage angst yet, and I really pray about that because they're fearless. And they'll tell anybody about what God is doing because they're so secure. They, they're just, they know they're loved. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This is how we know. Where did it go? No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know we live in him, and he in us. He's given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That is what we're doing in these conversations. We've seen it in our own lives, and we are testifying that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and they in God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. It just says it. There's no question there. 
That's just what it says. That's in this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. That's me in my head. Oh gosh, if I confront somebody, what's going to happen? Is the ground just going to open up underneath me? No. When we know that we're loved, when we know that we're loved, we can speak in safety. And when we feel the love that God has for the person that we're speaking to, that's how we speak. We speak in love. We don't have to keep remembering, oh, I've got to be humble. Oh, I've got to be just gentle and kind. If you ask the God for that revelation of how much he loves the person that you're talking to, the rest is, it's, it's, it's not brain work anymore. We love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. If you haven't felt that in a long time, or maybe you've never felt that before, that's for you today. You are loved. You are totally safe to be sharing what it is that God is doing in your life because it's real. You're not making it up. It's not in your brain. That's why we're walking in community with one another. That's why we're sharing this truth with each other to say to each other, you are loved. You are loved. And then out of that getting and living and giving, then we can say that honestly and truly. So... Wait, I just want to say one more thing before I go to this tool in the tool belt. This is part of the beauty of questions. I said last week that I was pretty sure that I was going to need to have an encounter this week in order to deal with this. But it was really not what I was expecting. It wasn't a confrontation in the way that I was expecting it. What happened was this. There's a really long story that I don't have time to share, but basically... We as a youth with a mission community went through a long process some years ago to try and buy a building in this neighborhood. And then we went through an even longer and more painful rezoning process to try and zone that building properly, and we lost. We lost the building, and we had to sell the building. And part of that process in seeing that building purchased, which was such an incredible high, this church was a huge part of buying that. But what happened in the rezoning process was that we had neighbors in this community who just outright lied. They lied about who we were. They lied about what we did and what we were doing. They lied about our presence in the community, and we never got justice. In fact, we had people in power and authority who believed them and not us, who wrote letters, members of government, who wrote letters saying that we were all these things that we were not. And it wasn't until this morning that I realized that part of my fear of having evangelistic conversations in this community has come from how badly we were lied about. And the fact that I said, this is my neighborhood. This is where I'm raising my kids. My kids are in school here. These are my shops. This is my neighborhood, just as much as it's yours. And we lost. We did not see the answer. And YLAM has suffered for it. We are still waiting to see the promise at the end of this. It has not happened yet. And it's taken a toll on us as a community. And I realized that that had seeped in. Because two, three years ago, Sophia started going to school in this community, in this neighborhood, with a really cool program that's a homeschool program. Homeschool three days a week, and she goes to school two days a week. And I just believed 
that there wasn't anybody in that program who would want to know anything about my faith or who I was, that everybody in this neighborhood would automatically judge me, and I have hidden myself, basically, from that community. I've made polite conversation so as not to offend anybody, and this week there was a parents' meeting, and I thought, I have to go to the parents' meeting. I know that's what it is. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know I have to go. So I went there with my sermon from last week in my back pocket. Okay, humble. Okay, questions. Going to ask some questions. But do you know what happened? It was so great. It was so beautiful. There was a mom who was really upset. She was really concerned about something. And I thought, a conclusion. There's a conclusion. I got to know what the walls are. So I said, you sound really concerned. What's, what's your urgency? Well, blah, 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 blah. And she told me. Oh, well, I, what I hear you saying is blah, blah, blah. And then I found that I was given a bit of an opportunity to kind of direct the conversation a little bit. And then I was able to draw out this incredible, great stuff. And she calmed down a little bit, but it wasn't just me. There were other women there, all the women there, who were lovely and kind and gracious. And I found out that some of the qualms and questions that we had when Sophia was in kindergarten, the same questions that they had and the people who'd stuck with the program were people who thought a lot like us. We had a lot of common ground. And at the end of the meeting, I said to the one of the women, you're so smart. And she said, you think I'm smart? I like you. And she hugged me, gave me this big hug, and I came away, and I was like, God, that is just like you. Here I am thinking I'm just going to get whooped. And instead, I came out saying, I have hidden myself from this community for three years. I have held myself back. I have not known these women, and they have not known me. Well, tell you what enemy like it's not happening anymore like I'm I'm making some friends I'm hanging out I'm gonna say what I think and it was awesome and I did not expect that I did not expect it so it's there's a lot there so ultimately what we're talking about is I have to finish up and I'm trying to figure out what to add and what to take out. I'll go here. Is there a bulletin with notes in it? Did you put KV's notes? Okay. So may I just see here the notes are? Yes. Okay, great. So these lists here, thank you. I am referencing that. That's what we said we would do. And I just wanted to make sure. Way to go, admin team. So. These are some more just tools, skills, in light of everything that we've said. When we're asking questions, the next step in asking questions is not just to ask questions, what makes you think that, but if you notice something that actually could turn around and be self-refuting, and by that mean kind of what they're saying doesn't, doesn't actually hold weight, like, there's, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, do you think that statement's absolutely true? <laughs> Trying to, to, to ask a question in that way that not only comes in humbleness, but if you can see something, that if you just essentially turned it around and, and asked that question again, that it'd be, well, you know, people are just products of, of the way they're raised. Well, were you raised to believe that? You know, and, and just try, again, just a, developing a skill in how we're asking questions. So there's a series of examples on your bulletin that I think are worth looking at that came from the Root series. The other thing is that it's just wise. We've been talking again about trying to be lifelong learners, 
about trying to be people that just gather facts and gather knowledge. And there's a list on the back of your bulletin of some common misconceptions that may come up in conversations that you have with people that are just answers to those things. That, um, and also there's just people here in this church that, that know more about that, that if you want to investigate that more, it's just, again, a good skill, a good tool to have. The other thing is, going back to what Alec was talking about a few Sundays ago, on understanding and believing that every single person is on a path, on a journey with God, and entering each, each person's road, each person's journey where they are. He said this fantastic thing. Here's something to chew on. Alec's quote was, yes, all roads can lead to the saving knowledge of God if, but only if, we, the church, would take our mission seriously and do the kinds of evangelism we're called to do in which we enter that road, that each person's road, and by the Spirit's wisdom demonstrate how every attempt, every road's attempt to find God fails unless directed to the Lordship of Christ. And for want of that kind of evangelism, and fueled by that kind of hope, all we end up with is a world of religions, including Christianity, that are culturally embedded and ethnically bound. Alec Arnold, official smart guy. You should hang out with him and ask him more about that, because I, I was like, that is good. right? Finding each person where they're at, what's God already doing, asking questions, believing that, and then entering in with that. Because if you're, we're not coming in humility, we're not coming in a place of believing in our love, you sing a song like, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is higher than any other. If we are not waging war with weapons of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, there is no way that that is going to sound anything but arrogant. Our God is greater and higher and bigger than any other, and my dad can beat up your dad. So let me just throw another roof on you, Mr. T. Again, I don't know where he came from. But what we're, we're challenging ourselves, we're challenging each other, and I feel like I got challenged again. I didn't realize that I had given up on this, and this is what I realized this week, is that there was a time in my life where I really did listen to every message that I heard, where I, every book I read, believing that I would have an opportunity to share it with somebody else. And I stopped doing that. And this week, God has rekindled that in me. God has shown me that not only is it safe for me to do that, but he's reminded me of times when I m looked at someone in an evangelistic situation and I had no other answers, and all I felt was love. I know I have to finish up. I'm at time here. I'll, I'll finish quickly with... with no, I'm not finishing with this. I'm saying one thing and then I have more stuff to say, so I'll just go as fast as I can. Um, I, was in a, I was in a situation, in an evangelistic situation that was set up in a traditional way that had freaked me out to begin with that turned into this supernatural, crazy God circus in Brazil, in this square in Brazil, where actually the verse, the gospel that we heard today, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. These people had us throw out all of our programs. We just worshiped God. The Holy Spirit fell. It was crazy. If you want to one night, I will tell you 
the stories of the stuff that happened that night. But there was one moment with this guy who actually came really in opposition, was trying to butt heads, who I felt was actually quite a distraction sent at first, was asking me all these questions that I honestly didn't know the answer to. But I was so caught up in the moment of what God was doing. And it was so much fun. And it was so good. And we were so experiencing the love of God. And he was asking me all of these questions. And I didn't know what to say. And I finally looked at him. And this had to be the Lord. I just looked at him and I said to him, can you see that I love you? And he said, yeah. <laughs> I said, why would I love you? Why would I love you? I have no reason to love you. This love that I feel for you comes from God. It comes from God in me, and he loves you. And the guy had no answer. Nothing. There was nothing to say. We just hung out. Wade was spinning some fire. We just hung out. It was, it was a good time. <laughs> you want to leave a good taste. You want people to walk away and say, hmm, that's tasty. So these are some final thoughts. If you're reaching resistance, if somebody is coming up with intellectual hurdles, this is why you want to be a learner. This is why you want to have, so you want to give evidence. And then if it's out of your depth, invite them to come for a drink with you and somebody else who knows more than you. I mean, just say, I don't know everything. I want to come and hang out with my friend John or my friend Gordy or Jessica or whatever. Let's, let's talk more. If somebody emotionally is, I cannot hear what you're saying because I have been so badly hurt, then for goodness sake, you know, just, you're not trying to argue anybody into healing. You offer empathy. You remember that God is close to the brokenhearted. You love them and just tell them as best you can with discernment that they're loved, that they are loved, that God cares about their pain. And then the last three, really, there's not a lot you can do. If you have somebody who just doesn't want to be told how to live or start saying things like, well, if I became a Christian, would I have to stop doing X? Or I just, I've been arguing this point for so long, I can't be wrong. Or I'm fine. I don't really need help. I have wider community in my, what, you know, whatever. All the places that we can get wider community. Really, ultimately, we just have to trust that God is in every person's life and you do your best to do what you can. And ultimately, if it just really goes pear-shaped, as the British would say, Jesus promised us that if people hated him, that probably not everybody was going to love us. And I struggle with that. I still, I still don't like even a friendly conversation where somebody says to me, well, I'm disappointed about that. I have to work. Oh, gosh, they're disappointed. Okay, it's okay. God love me. They love me. It's all right. It's okay. It's, but just to say, you know, Jesus said, if people call me the devil, how much more are they going to do to you? So nobody's ever called me the devil, so maybe I'm doing okay. Maybe that would be a privilege. Maybe I'd be like the guy who was like, God, nobody's hit me with, with the head, in the head with a brick lately, whatever the story is that you tell. Thank you, Jesus. So maybe you oversalt your conversation by being so gracious that you don't describe any distinctive truth, or maybe you undersalt, and maybe you're just so bold and you're so out there that people can't, Get a good taste for what you're saying. Or maybe the, the thing for you today is that you're just afraid. So either of those two things, I would just leave with you today and, and invite you to pray with each other about those things. Um, there are people here who can pray with you. Um, I, uh, I apologize that I've gone over my time a little bit.
And um, yeah, I just want to thank you for, I just want to thank you guys for journeying with me on this. I really do feel like that is the case with our church. And so if, if you're somebody that's new, you don't have a lot of relationships in the church, I would just really encourage you that there are people here who are happy to talk with you and, and, uh, and help you figure out where you're at. And God is for you. God is so for you. He's not looking to set you up in a situation to be uncomfortable because he wants to punish you. He is so for you to learn that you're loved and communicate how smart and wise and all these things that the people around us are. He looks at each person the same way that we look at little little Samantha back there, in the same way that we look at baby Samantha and say, oh, so beautiful, look at her. That's how he feels about every single one of us on the earth. Look at my baby. Oh, look at my baby. And there have been times where I've been scared out of my tree to talk to somebody. And God reminded me this week that he just supernaturally downloaded his love. And seriously, I've been so frightened of talking to people that I actually thought I was going to pee my pants. Really, so frightened. And all of a sudden, God just downloaded this love inside me. And I looked at this one. She was a glue addict in Brazil who was out of a tree with all these babies around her. She was a mess. I just looked at her, oh, look at your baby. Look at your baby. Oh, Look here. That's each one of us, right? Each one of us. Oh, yay. So, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us today, whatever it is that we need. Lord, we just ask you would draw your arrow back and then just let it go now, Lord, straight to the heart of what it is that each of us needs and that you would show us that it's because of your love because of your love, because of your kindness, because you so loved us. You sent your baby. You sent your baby. That's how much you love us. You sent your baby in vulnerability and humanness, fully, fully, fully human. And you come to us today and you say, you love, you love, because I love you. You are the one I love. You are the one I love. And then that's the place that we speak from. That's the place that we speak truth from. That's the place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That you don't want us to go out and be a mess and mess everybody else up. But that you want us to be whole and holy in your love and then share what you've done in us. Would you heal us? Would you restore us? Would you encourage us in the way that we cleaned this building yesterday and got out the junk? Lord, I pray 
It's my prayer this morning, Lord, in the same way that those amazing, huge Fijian guys came in yesterday, and just with smiling faces, anytime we said, hey, could, could you help us with this? They just came in and smiled and just carried all the junk away. Lord, I just pray for spiritual Fijians this morning to just come in to each of our lives, and, and we'll just say, take it away, Lord. Just take it away. Take it away. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are who you say you are. Thank you that you can do what you say you can do. Thank you that we are who you say we are. Thank you that we can do all things through you who strengthen us. Thank you that your word is alive and active in us. And I am believing you, God, that you are going to change me, I believe, thank you that you've already changed me through this word, and you're going to change my brothers and sisters through this word because you love us. Thank you. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.